Hi, and welcome to the Athena Rising Podcast. I'm Dana. I started a journey long ago to heal myself, and I want to bring you along. I have a master's degree in counseling, plus certifications in Reiki, regression, and hypnosis. My goal is to help women heal our unique emotional pain by showing you all the ways that exist to do just that. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves, we are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Every Tuesday, I'll introduce you to guests, topics, and modalities that will inspire you to try something new on your path. Let's get started. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a moment to personally invite you to a workshop that I am planning in the Charlotte, North Carolina area with legendary master of voice, Stuart Pierce. Stuart will present his angelic sound healing workshop on October 20th, 2019, set in front of majestic and pristine Lake Norman, which is located just outside of Charlotte. The purpose of this workshop is to let go of old beliefs and paradigms and to discover the song of your own unique soul. Stuart will teach you a way of reharmonizing the whole of your being through voice alchemy, discovering the great I am presence, and asking the angels to guide you through all of your life transitions as you find greater healing. If you are interested in more information or would like to purchase a ticket, visit AthenaRisingPodcast.com and click on the link at the top that says Stuart Pierce Workshop. You can also go back and listen to episode 25 in season one to learn more about Stuart in depth as I interviewed him in that episode. All links to tickets and the episode with Stuart can be found in the show notes below. I can't wait to see you in Charlotte on October 20th. Hi, and welcome back to the Athena Rising podcast. I am very excited about this episode. It is definitely a departure from all of the other episodes that I've created in the past. And in this one, I am going to really kind of go back in time a little bit. If you have been here for a while, you might know that I am a former school counselor, but I have been staying home with my kids for almost seven years. So I haven't been in a professional setting in a school for quite some time. However, my time working in the schools gave me so much experience, um, that is both informing me now as a parent and um, also helps me to understand the ways in which schools work and to be able to offer some suggestions to parents from the other side, just knowing how schools are and um, just being able to offer you some ways that you can help your children to have their best school year yet. And so I know that this episode isn't coming out exactly when school started, but I was intentional in releasing this a little bit later because I think in the beginning of the school year, we are so overwhelmed as parents with so much information about schedules and teachers and the lunch that you have to pack and no peanuts and, 
your clothes have to be a certain way. There's just so much that information that comes at you in the beginning of the year at the end of August or beginning of September. And so my thinking is that hopefully and probably you are more centered now and really getting back into your routine. And so I thought this would be a good time for me to offer you some tips uh, as a former school counselor. And so what I want to do is just give you a little bit of information first about my background to just go a little deeper because all I've really mentioned is that I was a middle school counselor. Um, And so I just want to tell you a bit more so that you know where I'm coming from. So I finished my master's in school counseling at Western Carolina University. I started my master's degree in the fall of 2007, and I graduated in the spring of 2009. And part of my training was to do a full-time internship. I also did a part-time internship. That one was in middle school as well. And my full-time internship was in elementary school. So I have experience in middle and elementary um, going into my professional career. And I worked in two different middle schools during my time. Um, Both of these districts were very diverse as far as their um, socioeconomic status, the um, racial and ethnic diversity of the students. Um, Both of them had very diverse backgrounds. So I've worked with a lot of different kids. Um, I've worked with some very privileged kids. I've worked with some not so privileged kids. Um, I've worked with the special needs community. And I guess on the special needs note, I should back up and say that before I even got my master's degree, I was a one-on-one for children with autism. That's what I did for a year in between finishing my bachelor's degree and starting my master's. Um, I would work with kids and go into schools with them or um, their home, and I would really help the parents and the student, the child, to find some balance and to give them some strategies that would be helpful for, for them. And it was very individualized, and I would work with them on their behaviors and to try to find some improvement. So I have a lot of background with kids. Prior to that, in my summers in undergrad, I was a camp counselor. Um, I've babysat. So children are truly my passion. Um, I love kids so much. And so this um, episode really comes from a place of drawing on all of that experience. I'm also a parent myself at this point in time. Um, I have a three-year-old and an almost seven-year-old. So my seven-year-old is in his first grade year. So I have a little bit of experience, not a whole lot, but a couple um, years experience with having a school-aged child myself as a parent. So I think I have a pretty um, comprehensive, is the word I'm looking for, a pretty comprehensive background in dealing with school and smaller kids. Um, I don't have any experience in high school, at least not professionally, Um, but I think a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is important for kids of any age. Um, And, you know, while I'm pointing out how much I worked with kids, 
I worked just as much, if not more, with parents throughout all of that time. And so I know um, pretty intensely what it's like to be on both sides of this. Um, You know, and also most of my experience is in middle school, which we all know is a very difficult time (laughs) in anyone's life. But kids really can experience trauma and hardship at any age, of course. Um, So I really think that everything I've lined out in this episode today is important for kids of any age and any stage and any parent at any point. Um, So I hope that you will find something helpful here. So my first tip for dealing with kids of school age is to remember that home life sets the foundation for all school experiences. This is the most important thing. And sometimes I will um, hold my most important tip back for the end of the episode to end that way. But I'm putting it first because it impacts everything, everything. I would so often have parents come in and they really wanted the school to fix their kids' problems. I can't tell you how many times parents would tell me about something going on with their kid and really expect the school to wave a magic wand and to fix things for their child. And so I just really want to impress that nothing can be fixed at school that isn't first addressed at home. Parents have the most power in their child's life. And I just want to remind you, if you are a parent, that this is the most important role in any child's life. And what you do is so incredibly impactful on them. Nothing that a teacher or a principal or a school counselor can do is going to match the level of involvement that you have in your child's life. You know them best. And I just want to remind you of that, of the power that you have. And so just really think of yourself as the main source of discipline, love, and structure, and see the school as your support. Ask them to help you with whatever your child needs, but first let them know what you're doing at home. And so if your child is having a problem, even if it's at school, think about what you can do at home to help first. Start there. If you want your child to be successful at school, you have to start with a loving home. And I also want to remind you that you may not be able to control everything that happens in your child's life, whether something horrible happens at school or something happens at home, but your love and your steadfastness with them as a parent is going to go a long way in providing them the foundation that they will need to deal with challenges anywhere outside of the home. And in doing that, a way that you can provide unconditional love and support is to have a routine and some structure at home. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, But just lots of routine and lots of love and staying so consistent with that All of this applies to kids who are homeschooled as well. So if your child is homeschooled, I would say that this is actually even more important, that you really are aware and you understand how foundational 
your relationship with your child and what the home life is like um, is going to impact so much, especially for a homeschooled child. So I just, I cannot impress enough upon you how important you are in your child's life. And this might be a silly thing to point out. You might be thinking, well, duh, I know that. But I think sometimes we forget. We give a lot of power to our children's teachers or to principals. And we think that maybe they know best, but you are the parent. Um, And so I just have to remind you of your power and to use that power only for good with your child. Okay, tip number two is don't feed in to the testing craziness. (laughs) I want to tell you that tests are so important to schools because they are linked to so many things. They're linked to financial assistance, reputation, um, just on and on. Tests are important to schools. And of course, it is important for your child. I mean, schools have to have a way to know how you're doing. Um, But a single test score is not enough to hold a child back. I had a lot of parents that would come to me and say, my kid is going to fail the end of the year test, and I'm just so afraid they're going to be held back. And I have sat in a lot of retention meetings, and I just have to say that it takes more than just one um, end of the year test score to hold a child back. I think that school professionals are so well aware of how holding a child back would impact them that it's not a decision that is ever made lightly and it is not a decision that is ever made without a parent's involvement. Um, And so don't allow your fear of your child being held back to do what's right for your child. I think it's important to, of course, help them prepare for this test that is coming up, whether it's the kind that are administered at the end of the year or just regular benchmark tests throughout the year. Help them prepare, help them study, help them to feel like they have your support in getting ready for this test. But be sure not to add pressure onto them um, because feeling more pressure at home is only going to be detrimental. If they feel just pounded by pressure while at school and at home, it's going to cause them to cave. So as a parent at home, provide them with the most loving support that you can during test-taking time. Think of your home as a safe haven. And in doing that, just provide them fun the evening before a big test. At that point, I don't think cramming helps. I think a lot of studies have shown that it doesn't. And so the night before a big test, watch their favorite movie. Allow them to relax. Take them outside to play. Turn on a guided meditation. Perhaps there might be one at the end of this episode. Wink, wink. Um, But just do whatever they love the most to provide balance for them. They are just so academically focused all day long at school. And so providing them a safe place at home to play, to have fun, to feel like they can just let it go is so important. I cannot stress this enough. I have a friend who, I won't call her out by name, but uh, her child was recently, at the end of the last school year, very stressed out about it. And a couple days prior um, to the test, 
she had an opportunity to take her child out of town and the teachers were telling her not to do that, that he needed to be there for more remediation. And as a parent, she made the decision to pull him out and take him on this trip because she knew that it was best for his mental health to just take a break, you know? Um, and so you know your child best. I'm not necessarily encouraging you to pull your kid out of school and take them on a trip. But if that's what is presented and if that's what feels best for you, you got to do what is best for your child. All right. Tip number three. I think we're on three, right? Uh, three is when it comes to interacting with the school, remember that honey is going to attract more bees than water. <laughs> If there has been an issue between your child and another student, or maybe with a teacher, um, in the beginning, try to really remain neutral. I know that is so hard. As a parent myself, if my kid says that they were hurt by someone, or someone is treating them badly, I just immediately go into protector mode. Um, But in my experience as a school professional, being on the other side, I know that children will often leave out really important details when they recount an issue to their parents. Um, And then when we get together for meetings at schools, it was like the truth would come out. You know, you would hear all this different sides and you could piece together um, what really happened. They always say there's like three sides to a story, you know, your side, their side, and then in the middle is the truth. And so just try to reserve judgment of school officials or of other kids when you hear a story just immediately right off the bat go in have a conversation but just try to remain as neutral as possible until you have all of the information if you need something from the school like if you're asking for accommodations for your child be persistent ask for what you need over and over again but stay kind People who would repeatedly come in and ask for what their child needed, um, eventually we would start, you know, listening if we didn't agree with it right away. Um, And if they were kind to us, we were way more likely to work with them than if a parent was yelling or was extreme, we would always be turned off from that. And so if there's something you need from your school or if there's been an issue, try to come at it in the most calm, centered a non-judgmental way that you possibly can. It will get you so much further than if you um, react from your emotions. Just another little side tip. If you need something from the school or if you need to talk with anyone who works there, teacher, um, principal, assistant principal, school counselor, librarian, whatever it may be, please use the courtesy of calling and scheduling a meeting ahead of time. There were so many times that I would have a parent just stop by and want to talk to me and it would push back my focus on the students who needed me. Um, There were always kids putting in requests to come talk to the counselor and if a parent swung by, then I would have to push those kids off. And so um, it would be just so helpful if you would call ahead of time and request an appointment with whoever you need to speak with. Tip number four is to provide loving support for your child in social situations. I think by the time kids go to kindergarten, it's almost shocking how socially dependent they are. (laughs) 
I know it was like my son loved certain types of clothing, certain things. And then when he went to kindergarten, he just wanted what everyone else had. Um, so it's kind of shocking how early that begins to happen, but it does. Um, so, you know, social stuff is very important for school-aged children. My mom did something when I was growing up that I just want to share. I always knew that she had my back, but if I had a social problem, if I was in a fight with a friend, she would always talk about or point out my friend's side of the disagreement or the argument whenever I would vent to her. And at times I was like, why are you pointing out what Becky said? You know, why are you (laughs) taking her side on this? It would frustrate me sometimes. But looking back, I can see how that taught me empathy, compassion, and the skill of really looking at myself from the outside rather than just automatically blaming someone else and taking the victim stance. Kids are so much in their own world, you know, at that age and the school age, they just, they really see things from their own lens. And partly that's because the brain isn't developed enough to really be able to find full empathy. Um, Empathy really is an advanced skill, but you can start to teach it when they're, when they're little. I mean, you can show them and model for them how to look at someone else's side and to also support them. So if something comes up for your child that's a social issue, here's a few things that you can do. This is kind of the flow for the conversation that I would have. First, acknowledge their feelings, whatever they are. Don't pass any judgment. If you listen to season two, episode one, (laughs) you know my feelings about the word should. So try to refrain from using that and just acknowledge it. Just say, I'm so sorry that you feel left out. Or I'm hearing you say that you feel like someone hurt you. Next, ask them what they think their friend might be feeling right now. So have them put an emotion on how they're feeling, acknowledge it, and then ask them to put an emotion on their friend. This is just to get them thinking about how someone else might feel. It may not be accurate, and that's okay. But the the exercise is just to get them thinking about what it might be like to be in their friend's shoes. Then ask them what they could do differently next time to avoid this problem. And when we get to this step, when I used to work with kids, I would so often just see them continue to take it back to the friend and blame and blame, but just keep redirecting, re-asking them what they could do differently. And if they say, well, so-and-so shouldn't do that to me, bring it back. Well, what could you do differently? You know, help them to kind of put up a healthy boundary there or encourage them to think of what they could do to bring peace to the situation. Maybe that looks like apologizing, offering your friend support, or like I said, maybe there's a healthy boundary that needs to go up. Maybe this friendship isn't the most supportive or helpful thing that your child needs right now and walk them through how to put that boundary up. So that's really how I would flow through that kind of conversation. Tip number five, I hope I'm getting my numbers right. (laughs) I didn't number them in my outline, so uh, just go with it here. (laughs) My last tip is about routine. Routine, routine, routine. Children thrive on structure. And this doesn't mean that we can't be flexible. 
but providing them with structure at home is very helpful. Their days are so structured in school. Their days will be very structured when they're out in the workforce, most likely. Not always. Not every job is super structured, but you're getting the idea. It is just helpful to kind of continue with that flow at home so that they have a sense of predictability. They know what to look for. So I would suggest that you come up with an evening routine, or if you are a homeschooling parent, come up with a routine for your entire day. And make sure that you include time to play, a dance party, relaxation, something to clear their mind. Make sure that you have that in your routine, that there is an outlet. Uh, It can also be a creative outlet. Maybe they want to color or paint or draw, something to really foster their creativity because most of them don't get like an art class every single day. Also add in time for obviously dinner, but maybe a snack. And then of course, homework if your child has any and a bedtime routine. All of this might sound kind of silly if your children are are older, but I would argue that pretty much anyone needs a routine. I know I thrive when I have my own routine going. And when I'm out of that balance, I feel off. So have them give you input sit down and talk to them and tell them that you want to create a routine and ask them to give input about how they would like things to flow and then be as consistent as humanly possible. (laughs) And we know that things are going to go awry. I mean, things are going to come up. You're going to end up being late or they're going to be late or an event will happen, whatever it is. And that's okay. Things are going to go awry, but just pick back up wherever you left off whenever you can and try to just jump back into that routine to continue to be consistent and providing that structure for them. I hope that these tips are helpful. This is really just like the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. (laughs) I mean, there's so much I could say about working with kids, um, but I think that these are the most basic and the most impactful things that I can think of that will support your school-aged child. And so as I do in every solo episode, I have a meditation for you. Well, actually, it's not for you. It's for your child. This is a meditation for kids. And this is a tool that you can use with your children when they feel any type of challenging emotion related to school or social situations. And so I wanted to offer this as something you can pull out of your back pocket if your child is just overwhelmed or stressed, something you can turn on, put them in a quiet room by themselves, and give them this to just listen to my voice, repeat after me all of the affirmations I'm going to give, and to help recenter and bring them back to a place of peace and balance. So go ahead and grab your child, get them set up, and then go ahead and press play right now. Thank you so much for sitting down to do this meditation with me. I know that being a kid can be hard sometimes, and so today we are just going to take a few moments to help you come back into your body, to feel happier, and to remind yourself of how amazing and what a powerful and awesome kid you are. 
So go ahead and get comfy in the chair that you're in. And just take a really deep breath in. Fill your lungs up as high as they can go, as big as they can. And then let it out all through your mouth. <sighs> take another really deep breath in. See how full you can get your lungs. And then let it go. One last breath. Fill it up as much as you can. Keep breathing, keep breathing. Okay, let it go. And now I just want you to imagine a beautiful white light that starts at the top of your head. And as that light moves down your head, just feel yourself relaxing. Feel it going over your hair, and your eyes, down your face, and feel this light relaxing your shoulders, your arms, your chest, your tummy. Feel your legs relaxing and your feet. Just take a minute to feel how comfortable you are in your own body. And now I am going to say a sentence that will help you feel better about what's happening at school or at home or in your friendships. You might not feel like what I'm saying is true for you right now. But by thinking that it's true, or believing that it will happen, I promise you that things are going to start to change for you. I will say each sentence, and then I'll just give you a couple minutes to say it yourself. If you want to say it in your head, that's fine. And if you can say it out loud, that's even better. Here we go. I am smart. I am strong. I will do my very best. My best is good enough. I am a good friend. I choose good friends to spend my time with. I respect my teacher. I respect my parents. I know I am capable. I believe in myself. 
Thank you for saying these sentences along with me. I want you to know that even if I don't know you, I believe in you. And I know that you can make all of those things that you just said true. You are going to have a fantastic school year. And I wish you all the best. And so now you can just slowly wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes, and when you feel ready, gently open your eyes. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at athenarisingpodcast.com or at athenarisingpodcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.